You're listening to Coaching for Leaders. This is episode 34, airing on April 23rd, 2012. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. This is the show for leaders who want to engage and develop others without relying on authority or sanctions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or leading people for the first time, Improving your skills will drive your success, and most importantly, the success of others. This week's topic is creating results with effective learning objectives. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Coaching for Leaders. My name is Dave Stahoviak, and I am coming to you here from our studio in Orange County, California. And I'm back today with Bonnie Stahoviak, who is my partner in crime here at Innovate Learning and also uh, my dear, dear, uh, smart, talented wife who uh, has a tremendous background in training. And I'm glad that she's here because we are continuing our series on training that started with episode number 30. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome. Uh, this is the place and this is the show for you if you want to really develop people who want to be led by you and have an organization of people who um, build trust and really want to contribute to something larger. And so I'm so glad that you have decided to join us. I'm glad to be back again, Dave. I love the subject of learning and how it integrates with helping people be more effective leaders and coaches. And I'm also so glad to be here for a podcast and not for a video because Luke's drool that he left on my sleeve on my sweatshirt still has not dried. So I'm thinking it's probably good that we're doing just audio for today and I'm, I'm going to skip the video guest starring for at least now for today. That's the beauty of audio uh, podcasting. And uh, actually you uh, reminded me that we are now doing video on our website as well. So you can actually check out some of our quick coach videos that I've been producing over at coachingforleaders.com. And by the way, that's also the place to go if you have comments about today's topic. Uh, we don't end the conversation here with the episode. We actually continue the conversation online. So when you want to know more about some of the tools, resources, strategies that we talk about today, hop on to coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 34. You'll find the notes there. And you can also reach out to us on our listener hotline. That's 949-38-LEARN. Or email is great too. And our email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com. But by far the best way to connect with us and other uh, people in our listening community is the website coachingforleaders.com. So uh, we're going to jump in today, Bonnie, and talk about uh, how we can actually utilize the tools and resources we talked about last week on developing some good learning objectives. Yeah, so last show we looked at learning strategy and evaluation. We talked about the four levels of evaluation from Kirkpatrick with the most powerful level being level four results that we also said was the hardest to measure and takes real courage to do. And then we also looked at both summative and formative evaluation being important. They're both important and, and formative, actually looking at those results and tying into the true impact or return on investment of a training program. So in this episode, we're going to look a little bit deeper at how would you go about partnering with someone who is designing training for you? And one of the things that professional instructional designers do is start with that needs analysis process we talked about last time. And once they've concluded that, 
writing up a set of learning objectives. Learning objectives, basically, what kinds of behaviors do we want to see changed? What skills, what knowledge is going to take place as a result of the training? And as I think back to my experience in working with organizations in the last few years, Bonnie, I can only, I can count on one hand how many times a leader has asked me about the learning objectives and the objectives of the training and to make sure that those were spelled out specifically and that the content of the training was built around them. Now, of course, we always do that, but unfortunately, most leaders don't even know to ask this question and to really understand why it's so important to have these specific objectives. Yeah, most people start with topics. And so if you were going to go, you know, hey, I want to take a class in personal finance, what you would see online most likely would be they might call them learning objectives. Mm hmm. But what the marketing materials really contain are topics. And, they're in, and I love looking at topics. I mean, that's one of the first things I'll do when I decide if I'm going to read a nonfiction book or not. Look at the table of contents. That's the topics. Is this going to be worth me reading or not? But it doesn't tell me what I'll be able to do differently, think differently, or you know what changes will take place as a result of reading the book or going through the training, for example. So let me give you a quick example. You, you would say like that someone knows how to use Microsoft Word. Well, most people only use 2% of the robust word processors that are out there today. For example, Microsoft Word. Most people only use 2% of what's there in terms of features and capabilities. So if I were to say to you, you know, Dave, I only want to hire people who know Microsoft Word, there's a huge disparity in what I would consider knowing Microsoft Word good enough to get the job, for example, mm -hmm. and perhaps even what you might consider to be good enough to get that very same job. And that's even considering how well we know each other. Yeah. And even to people who might uh, know something very well might have a very different philosophy of what that means. So for example, you and I, you used to teach years ago classes for people on how to use Microsoft Word. Your knowledge is vast on the software and my knowledge is more practical. Mm -hmm. I don't know anywhere as much as you do, but I would still say that I know Microsoft Word well enough to be able to get by in mm -hmm. virtually any business context. So it can be, we even though we'd use the same language, what we're thinking behind that could be very, very different. Another example is um, some people might remember I'm a professor at Vanguard University and so teach business classes there. And another example is that Someone might, the topic might be understand how the economy affects small businesses in the U.S. Well, what does that mean to understand it? How would you know that I, as the learner, understood how the economy affects the, U the U.S. small businesses? And even if you did agree as to what understood meant, then, well, what would you do with that information? Mm -hmm. How does that apply to how you approach your job, your volunteer work, whatever it is that you're doing as a leader that you want that person to be able to do more effectively? So it's not about topics, although topics are wonderful for marketing training after the fact. So after we design the course, guided by these learning objectives that we're talking about on this episode, yes, then we've got to develop that great looking list of topics. We put that up on the outline. We put it on our company's intranet, for example, and say, hey, come to this great training. 
here's the topics you're going to learn. And like I said, some people still call those objectives, mm-hmm. but objectives are a lot more detailed and, and have a lot more specificity than would make sense to include on a marketing material. They're driving from the background, the design of the course. They are not meant to then market the course. You usually simplify them for actually marketing the course. So if I have a team of people that I am sending through training or we're designing training around the learning objectives conversation is probably the conversation I'm having more, if I'm hearing you correctly, with the person that's designing the training or facilitating the training. And we're really getting into the details of that. But when it comes to talking about the team and what the team would gain and actually marketing that event to people, I'm probably going to speak more broadly as far mm-hmm. as topics. Yep. Okay. And and perhaps you may not even get into a learning objectives discussion with this designer if you already, for example, had confidence in the instructional design professionalism of that particular company. Mm -hmm. So an example is one organization that I've had some training from before that I have a high regard for their ability to design very powerful trainings is the Center for Creative Leadership. Mm -hmm. They develop amazing trainings and the workshops that I've done, I mean, I would never need to sit down and go, now, do you really know what you're doing here with your learning objectives? No, they have a core competency as an organization at designing effective training. I can look at the outline and the marketing materials they see and see if that makes sense for the organization. And then as a leader, more what I'm doing is engaging with them around the results that we're looking, any kind of customization that needs to happen specifically for our organization as an example. What would be some uh, red flags or even yellow flags to look at as a leader when you're talking to maybe someone internally who's supporting you in developing training for your team or an external provider that would be indicators that maybe they're not really looking at things through this lens, Bonnie? Well, it would definitely come down to, I would want to ask what their instructional design process was like. You know, what, what, how did they approach the design of instruction? If it's somebody internally and they're developing custom training, they should be having the conversations around results, what should look differently after the training has occurred, Mm -hmm. what should success, what will success look like to you after, after this has occurred and then making sure that they do at the root of their design, get it down to very specific objectives. Mm. So there are three types of learning because we've talked a lot about, you know, Last episode, we talked about behavior and learning and the different levels. There's really three broad types of learning. There's cognitive learning, which is just the stuff that I know. There's behavioral learning, the stuff that I do. And then there's affective learning. Affective learning is more attitudinal. The stuff that I do because I want to do it or the stuff that I don't do because I don't want to do it. Uh, So I might know it and I might even know how to do it or I've done it before, but I may not want to do it is what that comes down to, it sounds like. Exactly. And in our last episode, we talked about that problems are a lot bigger motivators than the pursuit of pleasure. You mentioned that in the last episode, Dave. Mm -hmm, And so if you think about what learning is missing that you're going to craft or someone is going to craft these learning objectives around, the learning that's missing, it might be cognitive because the people don't know whatever it is they need to know. It might be behavioral because they can't do whatever it is that they need to do. And then the last one, the most difficult, of course, (laughs) and especially the most difficult to address with training Mm -hmm. is I'm not doing it because I won't do it, not because I can't. Yeah, or I don't want to do it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of cultural components that come into that that really get far deeper than what you can even address in a very simple training process or even a complex training process in some cases. So um, so now that we have these three types of learning uh, mapped out, uh, let's talk about how to build an effective learning objective because I think yep. that that's something that um, I know I still struggle with this on occasion when I'm designing training or designing a class of really thinking through, am I doing this the right way? Well, it and- should be something that we struggle through because... When you think about back to my example of knowing Microsoft Word or understanding how the economy affects small businesses, that should be some deep thinking that goes on about what is it we want to accomplish. And what we're looking there will be verbs like what what is it that you want them to do to be able to perform a mail merge, to be able to sort, you know, revenue numbers by, you know, average by county or what I mean, whatever it is, what is it that actually needs to be performed? And so we're going to look at how do we craft effective learning objectives so we actually have better agreement about what actually needs to be learned, what that understand means, because understand's not deep enough. And one of the things I would recommend for any leader listening to this broadcast is to check out, I know we, we refer to a lot of books, but stop the presses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is a set of books I would suggest is on every leader's bookshelf. The guy's name is Mager. That's M-A-G-E-R. And he has wrote six books, at least six books on learning that should be on every leader's bookshelf. And he calls them the six pack. The Di- title, the six titles gathered together are called the six pack. This is different than uh, a six pack of beer, though. And it's different than the six pack abs that you have. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> so, so um check out and we, the, we linked to this on the show notes so go to coachingforleaders.com and check out episode what episode are we on here Dave? this is number 34 34 and go check out the link for the makers mm. six pack and there are there's one book specifically about learning objectives which is highly useful and he writes his books like the books i used to read as a little girl called choose your own adventure So he's actually doing assessment along the way. So he'll say, this is what a good learning objective looks like. If this one is a good one, turn to page 12. If it's not, turn to 14. So you can actually test yourself along the way and skip to different parts of the book based on how well you're comprehending his learning. I like that. And real quick, before we dive into the three components of an effective learning objective, I did just want to mention another book that's in the six pack. This is a bonus for this episode. <laughs> I see. And that is that he has an entire flow chart that's built around performance analysis. And basically, if you have someone in your organization as a leader that's not doing what they need to do for the job, how do you address this? And it's a whole flow chart. Well, have they been trained? Do they actually want to? You know, are the rewards that are aligned with them wanting to do this. And it's a real simple to follow flow chart that can help guide your managers that you coach to be more effective at performance management. It is a wonderful tool. And back to what Dave and I have been saying that training isn't always the answer. That flow chart walks you through it perfectly because basically one of those is, you know, is training going to be relevant and you can kind of assess it with the flow chart. So check out the Mager six pack. Great investment. You can get them used online, all six of them for less than $100, which sounds like a lot, but for what you're getting for six books that are going to contribute to being a better leader, go for it. Or even better, suggest your organization invest in those. If you have a human resources or a training organization, have them 
make the investment in getting those or see if they have them already and you can utilize them as a leader because it's a great resource to tap into. So yeah, let's look at these three uh, components of an effective learning objective so that um, we can start thinking about how we would set a good learning objective. And and probably just as importantly, Bonnie, because I think a lot of times as leaders um, who are in an aligned position in the organization, we may not be actually writing a learning objective, but we want to be able to see if the one that were des- that is being designed around is effective and have be able to coach people who are helping us to design training. So, uh, so what are the three things we want to keep in mind here? So we start with performance. A learning objective talks about what performance is expected. What should the learner be able to do or produce to be able to be considered competent? So an example would be, you know, ride a unicycle. And the verb here is ride or write a letter. And the verb here, the performance is writing. The letter is the product and writing the right process is what we're asking the learner to be able to do. The second piece are conditions. And I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, fine. but just so I understand here. So this is why like understand how the economy works. Mm-hmm. It isn't because it doesn't say what we're able to perform, what we're able to do differently. It just yep. is very broad and nonspecific. Yeah. What might be more specific is to discuss three ways that small businesses are affected by the economy. Oh, ah, okay. So can, that gets to a performance standard that we could actually measure. Yeah, I can tell whether you can discuss it. And if you want to get even deeper, do you discuss it in writing? Do you discuss it just one-on-one interpersonally? Or are you able to actually present to a group about these three ways that that the U.S. economy is affected by, or that <laughs> small businesses are affected by the U.S. economy? Nice. Okay, got it. And so conditions are sometimes important to stress. That's the second part of a learning objective. They don't always have to be there, but sometimes you have to specify a condition under ones, under which the performance is going to occur. So it's raining in Southern California today. And so if I was teaching driving skills, for example, I might, we always laugh because um, we have someone coming to care for our son today and she was a little bit late. She's like, oh, those darn California drivers, they do not know how to drive in the rain. It's true. And so a condition, if we were driving instructors, might be in light rain is able to you know, drive on the freeway effectively, which most Californians would not pass that particular learning objective. It's true. And it is a different skill set. Uh, and I know some of you around the country are laughing at us right now, but uh, I did grow up in another place and it is amazing how awful California drivers are when it rains. So it really is a very different skill set here in California to be able to handle working through traffic in the rain. So that, that type of a um, condition would really affect the types of training you're doing and the types of instruction you're giving to somebody. So another condition you might specify is that given a computer with Microsoft Word 2012 or whatever, be able to type 90 words per minute with less than two errors. Hmm. And so the condition would be that there was a computer there and that it had the word processor on it that was to be used. So that is the condition And again, not all learning objectives will have conditions, but if you want to specify under which type of condition someone's able to perform the skill that you've talked about, then you want to include that and get to that kind of specificity. Makes sense. And the last component of an effective learning objective are the criteria, the criterion. And so how well does someone have to do it to be considered competent? And Mager has a great example of your surgeon. So you're going to go in and get surgery performed on your heart. 
and you know that that surgeon passed their final exam with 80%, that's pretty good. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Is 80% good enough to be considered competent to be your heart surgeon? Wouldn't be the heart surgeon I'd pick. No. No, and even would 100%, like a lot of times people try to equate it down to some kind of a percent of knowledge, a percent, and when percent isn't really what you're going after, what, you know, we have to think deeper than just how many you got right, because we're living in a complex world and the business problems that our leaders out there are needing to solve do not often come down to multiple choice and did we get things quote unquote right or wrong. Sure. So how does that uh, then come down to criterion? What would be an example of a way you'd want to bring that into a learning objective? Well, one example back to the typing example is that you might say that, you know, given the computer that we talked about that has Microsoft Word loaded on it, that you're able to type 90 words a minute The criterion might be that all words are spelled correctly. There's no grammatical or punctuation errors. And the person who's being addressed in the letter isn't demeaned or insulted in any way, if it's a customer service letter, as an example. Mm, So thinking through what's going to be considered good enough to have learned what needed to be learned. So it's not enough just to get to the end result. It's also the how you get there and how effective you are at being able to um, have gone through in a process well and shown that good behavior from. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Well, let's, uh, so we've, we've looked at these three parts of the learning objectives, uh, an effective learning objective, which is performance, conditions, and criterion. Do you have any examples of what a, a good learning objective would look like and how that would sound? Yes, I, I have a, a couple examples. And I have a, a, some examples of some not so good ones. Oh, even better. And how we might fix them. So let's, uh, let's take a look at them. Yeah, so let's look at one that is not so good. This is coming from sort of a business class, a finance class, personal finance. So when you complete this section, you will know the history of money as a medium of exchange. So Dave, right off the bat, what do we notice is wrong with this objective? Uh, well, it says you will know. So I don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. I will know. I will know what about that. Yeah. The so definition, it, the history, I'm not sure. It doesn't have the performance component. So there's no verb. Discuss, describe, relate, um, state, sort, solve, compute. There, there's no right. performance that I could measure. I can't measure understanding. I can't measure knowing. Mm. There's no conditions, which again, conditions don't always have to be there, but there there isn't any specificity as under what kind of condition that this knowing might occur. And there's no criteria of how do I know that that's good enough? So let's take a look at this so next one. So it misses one. on all three, basically. It misses on all three, yeah. Okay. So let's look at a little bit of a, of a one that has some more specificity to it. Without any references, be able to describe, in parentheses, write, the key conditions that promote learning on those and those that retard or interfere with learning. Mm, Okay. So do we have a performance in this case? Looks like it because it says uh, what I should be able to do, which is to write down key conditions. Yeah, so I'm describing those key conditions. And in this case, we've even been as specific as that those that description will take place in writing. Mm-hmm. And so the conditions under which this writing or this describing will take place, under what conditions are we describing or writing? 
well, the first two words without references. Mm -hmm. So I would assume that's that's probably the big condition here. Yeah. So if we didn't specify that, someone may have been able to have notes or references right next to them. But we're saying no, without any notes, without any sort of reference, that's the condition under which we want this person to be able to describe in writing these key conditions. Makes sense. And then as far as the criterion, we have just, we really, we haven't specified the key conditions. Are there five of them? Are there seven of them? But it's, you know, kind of what will be considered competent enough. I, I'm not sure that we've entirely said what's good enough in this case. I'm not sure we've done that here. Mm, okay. So this is probably a, uh, a a decent learning objective, but could potentially could even be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Here's another one. On a live patient undergoing laparoscopy. I'm not sure I pronounced that right. Laparoscopy. Sure. Sounds good to me. Undergoing a laparoscopy procedure. Yeah. Be able to locate or point to the following structures. Ovary, ligaments of the ovary, fallopian tube, and uterus. So this obviously would be for medical training. So performance is be able to locate, mm -hmm. point to, so that is there for sure. Yep. Um, conditions on a live patient undergoing laparoscopy. So that is there. As it's far happening as, well and actual surgery is, you know, going on. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And criterion is uh, to actually find very specific things. So there's different organs that it speaks to. So it, so it sounds like that one's pretty good on all three fronts. Yes. Yes. Okay. And okay. we didn't say 80% or hundred percent. It's you got to get all of them in this case. You need to be able to point to all of those things. Yeah, that's right. It did say that. Yep. Yeah. So let's take a look at another example for those of you that are working in organizations that have performance appraisals and might do training around performance appraisals. Okay, great. So we're looking at given a need or assignment to conduct a performance appraisal that you have the appropriate forms and an interviewee conduct an appraisal interview, conduct that performance appraisal. And the criteria being indicated here is that the interviewee the person who got the performance evaluation reports satisfaction with the discussion and states an intent to achieve the agreed on work targets for the upcoming period. The interviewer and the interviewee are also willing to sign the form as accurate. And if everyone in corporate uh, life followed that process, we'd have a lot better performance reviews, wouldn't we? Oh, absolutely. So let's go through this quick. This is our last example here. So did this one have a performance? So I think the performance here is just conduct the appraisal appraisal interview, right? Yep. Conduct the appraisal. Correct. Does it have conditions under which we conduct that appraisal? Uh, let's see here. Uh, conduct a performance appraisal, appropriate forms, and an interviewee. So yeah, those yeah. are all conditions. And so we're kind of doing, we're doing it in live and in person. We've got the forms, the person's there ready to have their performance appraisal. We've got the conditions under which to conduct them. It's not a role play. It's an actual thing. Which so. may seem sort of obvious, but I am always struck by how often sometimes people take things literally that are written down or objectives and they say, well, I did that. And then you look and they did. But the objective wasn't very clear on the performance evaluation or the goals for that person's professional development. So it really is important to be clear about this. Yep. And then criterion. Have we said what's good enough to have considered this a successful conducting of an appraisal? Yeah. So the interviewee has to report satisfaction with the discussion. Uh, they have to agree upon targets and are willing to sign the forms, which obviously all speaks to a criterion model. Yeah. And like you said, Dave, these, this is a lot of specificity. Mm-hmm. 
for someone designing instruction for you. You're paying them, whether it's an internal employee who's partnering with you to help you create success as a leader in your department or someone else's, whether you've hired someone from the outside, you would expect, I would hope that you would expect that kind of specificity, how to know if learning really took place. And it is a lot of, as you said earlier, deep thinking has to take place in order to really see what is it we want to get out of this? What does learning really mean? One piece of advice you have for leaders who are engaging in training efforts of uh, just one thing that we should all be thinking of or know to ask or consider that we might overlook when thinking about sending people to training. I think the biggest thing goes back to those stakeholders, figuring out who the stakeholders are. Is it your customers? Many times it is. Is it your employees? Which level of employees? Who's the right people who are going to have a stake in the outcome and engaging in a deep, meaningful dialogue with them. And my favorite question for that dialogue is, what will success look like after this program is completed? Thanks so much for being here. I'm so glad you uh, jumped in for another episode. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Now, I know you may be thinking as a leader, setting learning objectives isn't something that you're going to be doing every day. You're not going to be designing training programs every day, and that's absolutely true. But at the very least, it should always be part of what you're thinking when you're developing people. And I say that because those three things that Bonnie mentioned that are critical components of any good learning objective, thinking about the cognitive, behavioral, and effective pieces of that learning is you want to, anytime you're developing people, to be thinking about cognitive, the knowledge. What knowledge do they need in order to be able to do whatever it is that we're asking them to do as an organization? We also have to think of the behaviors, the actions that they're going to take. It's not just enough to know what to do. It's how to support people in getting comfortable with actually putting those behaviors into action and to take action in order to get value from what it is they know. And then, of course, finally, and we all know this because we've talked about this a lot on the show already, is the effective piece, motivation. Uh, You know, you may know it well, you may know how to do it well, but what is the motivation level for actually making sure that you put it into practice regularly? And as leaders, if we haven't addressed that with the people that we're leading then we really have missed a big piece of the puzzle. And so I challenge you, whether you're going to put together a training program tomorrow to uh, help your people to learn, or maybe you'll never put together a training program, but even if you're just coaching people one-on-one, you want to be thinking of those three things all the time. So I hope that's been valuable to you. And I want to just jump in here real quick and uh, have a couple of quick announcements in our community news and feedback section. Uh, You can actually reach out to us with any comments, questions you have on the show here today. The best way is to hop onto the discussion board that will be under this uh, the show notes on our website and you can reach those at coachingforleaders.com this is episode number 34 and you can leave us questions comments right there on the web page you can also call us and leave a message on our voicemail feedback line that is 94938learn and email is great too our email address is feedback at coachingforleaders.com 
announcement before uh, finishing up here this week is I wanted to let you know about what the next two episodes are going to be in our training series. We are actually going to do two more episodes focused around training. And so the next Monday, April 30th, I'm thrilled to be welcoming a good friend of mine and business partner. His name is Aaron Kent. Aaron is the CEO and president of Dale Carnegie Training of Southern Los Angeles. And he and I are going to be talking about what leaders need to know about hiring a training company. So we are going to be having a great conversation about that. Aaron and I have spent, I don't even know how many hours over the years of having had conversations with leaders who were thinking about um, you know, hiring an outside organization. And we've seen leaders who have done this very well. And we've also seen leaders that have not done this well. So if you'd like to know something about what you need to know about hiring a training company, or if you have any questions at all about how to handle that as a leader, make sure you send in your feedback or questions to us prior to next week, because we want to make sure to include those on the show. So if you have questions for us, feedback at coachingforleaders.com, and that way we can be sure to answer your question when we talk on the show on April 30th. And then on May 7th, I'm going to be welcoming our friend Janet Riley. Janet has a tremendous amount of training experience over the years. I'll tell you all about her background when we get on the show, but she is coming in to talk with me about how you can maximize a training experience for people. So you're not going to want to miss that either. And of course, any comments or questions you have for her, feel free to send those now as well, and we will get them in the hopper and get set to go. And then our next series is going to start on Monday, May 14th. And I'm actually uh, hopping between a couple of different options on where we're going to go next. Uh, one option may be we may be taking a look at personality types and how we can lead different personality types in the workplace. Uh, we might also be looking at how we can effectively coach people to be more effective presenters and a few other ideas too. So if you have strong feelings on either one of those, or if you have any strong feelings on anything else, of course, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Hey, I hope this show has been valuable to you today. And if it has been, and particularly if you've been a listener for a period of time and have found value in the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. If you're an iTunes user, the easiest way to do that is go to coachingforleaders.com forward slash iTunes. That'll take you right to our iTunes page and you can leave us a review there. Thank you in advance if you decide to do that. Hey, the link for all the notes for everything we've said today is on our website, coachingforleaders.com. This is episode number 34, and we do air every Monday, so you can always find us right here. And if your organization wants to improve the coaching skills of its leaders, drop me a line. We might be able to help you out. You can reach us at, on email, feedback at coachingforleaders.com. Hey, wherever you are in the world, whatever's on your agenda today, Take one idea from this show to engage and develop someone you lead. Take care, everybody.